Ah, here we go again. Another compliance training. Welcome, and thank you for joining me today to talk about <sighs> fiscal He's compliance so in the new year. Hey, what's up, folks? Thanks for allowing me some of your time today and tuning in to episode 7 of the DIY Narrator Podcast. My name is Josh Risser. I'm a professional voice talent and like to spend a part of my week every single week helping instructional designers improve the engagement of their e-learning. Sometimes I'm the narrator and sometimes when you can't hire me or another professional to do the narration, you have to DIY it. And I hope you can apply something you've learned from this podcast or the other resources coming soon to DIYNarrator.com to do a better job in engaging your learners when you are the narrator. So let's get into today's topic. We're going to talk about narration warm-ups. Today's topic was not originally the topic for today. In fact, this one wasn't even on the list of things that I was prepared to talk about. But I spent my morning struggling with a pretty simple script and... I had a case of what I like to call mush mouth. It might have been the fact that I didn't have enough coffee in me. For some reason, there are times when your mouth just won't say the things you need it to say. You start getting frustrated because you play back your recording and it's not really clear. Maybe you're running words together. Your energy just isn't there. You don't sound like you know what you're talking about. You sound like some guy reading a script. And that can be really frustrating. You have a project you need to finish, and you've blocked out the time. But for some reason, you just can't execute. And I know this can be an issue for many of you as well, because I've spoke with a few of you, and I found out that a lot of you work from home. Those of you who aren't freelancers anyway, work from home on days when you plan on recording your narration. You get away from the office, record at home where it's nice and quiet. And that's a great idea. If you've taken the day away from the office to do this kind of work, but then you just get going in the morning and you can't actually get it done because for some reason you're just not in it, that can be frustrating and not to mention a waste of time for the business. You could have been at work doing something else more productive, but then again, you can't simply go and narrate whenever the mood strikes you, right? I've found that when this happens to me, it doesn't really help to just push through and keep recording. If I do that, I end up with subpar work and it just won't be what it needs to be. Then when I'm editing it, I won't be happy with it and I couldn't possibly get myself to turn it in. So I scrap everything I did and I start over. And that's really frustrating. But by that point, I get back in the booth and it flows again and everything's fine and I record faster than I did the original one and the work comes out great. Originally, I thought that maybe it was because I just understood the script a little bit better after reading through it and maybe that was why it sounded better. And Though that's probably a big part of it, it's not necessarily the only reason why it comes out better the second time. In fact, I've realized that I can do some stuff in the booth in the moment in a few minutes to get to that same place because it comes out better the second time because you're warmed up. You've warmed up the muscles in your face and mouth, your eye brain mouth coordination is firing, and overall you start directing yourself on the fly a lot better. And the eye-brain-mouth coordination is a little nod to Mark Cashman. He's an amazing voiceover coach. I'll link to his book, VO, in the show notes. It's really excellent. And I've had the pleasure of working with him a few times. And he's a really, really nice guy. Back to this morning. 
I'm struggling recording the script, and I'm not happy with how it's turning out. And it's just, I'm not connecting with the script. I'm stumbling over simple words. It just isn't going well. And so instead of pressing on and continuing to record and just getting through it, and then maybe throwing the work away or turning in subpar work, I went to a trick that I've found that really helps, and I do some vocal warm-ups and some mental warm-ups. The intent is not just to warm up the throat and the mouth muscles, but also help fire up your eyes and your brain without the pressure of needing to do a great job on the script. Think of it a little bit like warming up before a sporting competition. Let's talk specifically about golf. If you've ever played golf, you'll know that there's a warm-up area that consists of the driving range and the putting green, and then there's the actual course where you play for a score. Nearly every time I play, there's a guy who will say something like, I was hitting them so well on the range, and now I can't take a shot to save my life, or whatever. The thing is, the shots you hit on the range and the putts you take on the putting green don't mean anything, because there's no pressure involved. There's no score on the line. The intent of the driving range is simply to warm your body up and your muscles and maybe work on one small swing cue in your brain that you can take to the course. When we apply this to our narration and our warm-ups, it works a lot of the same way, but instead of it being a complex thing like a golf swing, we can carry the warm-up effectiveness to our actual narration. Because once you have the coordination going from your eyes to your brain to your mouth and it's all firing... If you have a little pressure on you, like getting the script correct, it doesn't really change much from the warm-up. So today, I want to talk about three warm-ups that I lean on all the time. Hopefully, you can use them to get better at things like enunciation, clarity, and directing yourself on the fly, which is also another skill that's really hard to begin with and something that I'll cover in another episode. The first warm-up I like to call Remove the Chew. Now, I learned this one a while back from high school choir practice. And no, I'm not going to sing. Whenever you have a word that ends with a duh sound, like could, would, did, should, etc., they're often followed by the word you. And you end up with phrases like would you, could you, should you, did you, etc. You can probably see where I'm going here. Commonly, those two words run together in regular speech. So you end up with stuff that sounds like would you, could you, should you, did you. And if you aren't really careful, you start to sound a little bit like a train. Choo-choo, choo-choo. So what I like to do is run through these phrases and overemphasize like this. Would, you, could, you, did, you, should, you. There's plenty of them. The tricky thing with this exercise is that you don't want it to sound like that during your narration. But when you've separated the sounds ahead of time, next time you need to do it, you're going to just be a little more aware. But in the moment, you're just going to say, would you? And it's going to sound comfortable and conversational, but it's not going to sound would you. You're not going to have the emphasis on each syllable. But they wake up the muscles in your mouth a little bit. They get your brain firing. They let you start thinking about separating words. And then you just go back to being you when you go to read it because it's a balancing act. You need to find the right place between emphasizing the syllables and running them together because both in the right context will sound fine. The real need is to think of your audience and who they are, then adjust your speech according to what they would expect and the context in which they're taking their training. Is it a really highly professional situation? Are they, are they professionals? If so, you're going to need a little more emphasis on it and a little more authoritativeness, a little less casual conversation. 
But you also need to be aware that a telltale sign of someone who's reading a script is over-enunciation of consonants and over-separation of words. Plus, it just sounds really awkward. So that is removing the chew. The second one are tongue twisters. And these ones are just fun, honestly, but they do help in a lot of ways. Help you get over those weird sound combinations that trip you up all the time. It's probably a good idea to start taking note of sound combinations that do trip you up so you can work on those ones. I know for me, whenever I record phone prompts, I get tripped up constantly on phone prompts that say, please push or please press. And man, you don't want to emphasize those P's all so hard. Please push, please press. So it's good to know ahead of time what might trip you up on a script and work on those types of tongue twisters. You can just Google tongue twisters. You find a ton of them and any really will work. If you're not sure what your sounds are, just go through a list of tongue twisters until you find one that gets you. I've got one coming up for me and I'm not going to get it. If you're a musician and you've practiced with a metronome, you know how to do this. You do it slowly, way, way slower than you want to, uncomfortably slow until you get it perfect, and then you speed it up, but only when you get it perfect. Now, let's run through a couple. I'm not going to edit this, and it's going to be pretty terrible, I'm sure. The first one are tongue twisters that really do get people uh, the S sound. Six slippery snails slid slowly seaward. That actually didn't come out too bad. Let's, I'll read that one again. Slicks, slicks, <laughs> see? Six slippery snails slid slowly seaward. The problem is you start thinking about the next sound before you even get to it. Slicks is not a word, but six and slippery combined, slicks. Yeah, of course. All right, so this next one is supposedly the toughest tongue twister, and it's been proven by, proven, air quotes, by MIT researchers. Pad kid poured curd pulled cod. I don't know, pad kid pulled Pad kid poured curd pulled cod. Pad kid poured curd pulled cod. Don't do what I'm doing. Slowly. Pad kid poured curd pulled cod. Pad kid poured curd pulled cod. Pad kid poured curd pulled cod. Get it and then speed it up. This next one's going to get me because that one's easy compared to this one. The sixth six. See, I already screwed it up. The sixth sick. Sheiks, sixth sheep's sick. I'm not going to do that one again. That's terrible. And and sometimes they get long and they get a little rhythm to them. A what to do to die today at a minute or two till two. A thing distinctly hard to say yet still yet harder still to do. For they'll beat a tattoo at 20 to two with a rat a tat tat a tattoo. And the dragon will come when he hears the dragon comes from when he hears the drum at a minute to two till two today at a minute or two till two. Uh, there's a dragon in that one. So when you catch into the rhythm in some of them, it's actually pretty fun. There's a there's a great tongue twister book out by a voice actor who's phenomenal named Rodney Salisbury. And I'll link to that in the show notes as well. I'll also include the ones I just ran through, specifically the, uh, oh man, the sixth sick sheik's sixth sheep sick. That was, uh, man. All right. So tongue twisters. Work on those ones. You don't have to get good at it, but just trying to makes you more effective and better when you get back to an actual script. Number three, emphasis everywhere. 
This one warms up my brain a bit for self-direction, and you've probably heard of it before. It gets me thinking a little more smoothly about the emphasis in a sentence and how it can change the meaning of the sentence, sometimes subtly, other times significantly. So this next sentence has seven words in it, and I'm going to say it seven times in a row, each time emphasizing a different word, and you'll hear how it changes the meaning of the sentence. I never said she stole my money. 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 So you can hear how each time I went through it, emphasized a different word, it meant something different. Or it changed it just a little bit. Like that last one, I never said she stole my money. Could mean because she stole my other stuff. Or I never said she stole my money. Doesn't mean she didn't steal it, but I never said it. Or I never said she stole my money. Means maybe somebody stole it, but I never said she did it. This one has a cousin, and I'm going to call it, read it like you just learned how to read. And I just named it that. Sometimes if you feel like you're emphasizing a little too crazily, maybe you're lilting a little bit, and you just can't get out of the radio voice, take a passage and read every word like you just learned how to read. And you have to figure out the word before you can read it. Kind of like this. I never said she stole my money. My wife used to be a first grade teacher, is a kindergarten teacher, and as you're hearing kids learn how to read, you can tell that they read each word individually, and then as they're doing that, they're sort of putting the sentence back together like a puzzle in their head. So you want to sound like that's what you're doing. And what it'll do is it'll kind of break you out of the emphasis problem. Because sometimes you're like, I never said she stole my money where you just emphasized everything. What was important in that sentence? Like, what was the point? It's important to understand that the emphasis you're putting into a sentence changes the way that sentence is received by your listener or your learner. And you don't actually emphasize or billboard words and phrases in real life unless there's something that's really significant that you need to get across. But for the most part, we just talk. Your narrations need to be just talking. So that'll help you get out of overemphasizing. And there you have it, the three warm-ups that I use sometimes to get myself out of a rut. The first one, remove the chew, did you, would you, should you. Second one, tongue twisters. And the third one, emphasis everywhere. And it's cousin, emphasis nowhere, or read it like you just learned how to read. That's a good name. Read it like you just, it rolls right off the tongue. Hopefully, one of those three, or all three of them, are something that you can try next time, and maybe just give it a try before you even get started. Really, I should probably warm up my voice every day before I get going, but I'm not doing anything crazy. If I was going to do character work where I was going to pretend I'm getting punched in the stomach, I would probably warm up a little bit, but honestly, I'm mostly just doing e-learning and narration and some light commercials. And nothing really crazy. I'm never screaming. I don't yell. That's no fun. So, well, it is fun, but you know what I mean. So anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm going to stop rambling now. Episode 7 of the DIY Narrator Podcast in the bag. Let me know if you have any questions. Please send an email over to host at DIYNarrator.com or you can head over to DIYNarrator.com and click ask a question. And there's a little form there. I'm always happy to help. 
Also, be sure to check out the show notes over at diynarrator.com slash 007. I will put in the show notes links to the books and the tongue twisters just so you can give them a try yourself. If you have any of your own tongue twisters or warm-ups, I'd love to hear them. Send me an email, send me a message on LinkedIn, and I will maybe add them to an ongoing list of tongue twisters and warm-ups. That sounds like fun. Maybe that'll be a resource on DIYNarrator.com. So if I could get some from the community, I will start including them all. Thanks again for listening today. I really appreciate you taking the time and hearing me ramble on and say the same sentence seven times in a row. That was really kind of strange. That might be the first time that was ever done in a podcast. I hope things didn't get too weird for you. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Get out there and do great work.